Okay, so welcome back. Uh, for those who are following week by week, uh, I will, I've put Mr. Parmenides on indefinite hold, and though he's a nice guy, I have to say I prefer Heraclitus, and um, uh, I don't have a topic for an extended, the next extended series yet, but uh, thinking on what I might talk about, um, what came to me was a title that is going to be the title that you probably already see on YouTube, which uh, hasn't been put up yet because this is just being recorded now. The title, uh, Self, uh, Image and Worth, uh, associated with uh, identity and our concepts of self or sense of self and worth or value, uh, self-esteem, self-identity, um, conceptions of self, and the, the relative worth of our sense of self, meaning high self-esteem, low self-esteem, self-worth, uh, and, and eventually, you know, the, the, the matter of what is self or the true nature of selfhood. Uh, that's the theme here. Now, interestingly, uh, I looked at some etymological uh, roots, um, and I'm going to give a few of these quickly in succession. This is a website called Wiktionary, and as a first-level discussion of etymology, it's useful. So the word identity comes from the Latin idem, which means the same. And so somehow, down through the history, down through the centuries, the sense of identity as um, what, what it is, you know, do you want to know what it is? The matrix. Uh, identity, meaning uh, his real identity is uh, this or that, um, became associated with... Um, ultimately a mentally conceived um, sense of selfhood from the word same identity, right? Like, uh, are these different or identical? The uh, word identical meaning the same, uh, associated with ident or idem actually the same, okay. Uh, identity is then, <laughs> the etymologically, from the Latin being idem, the same, it's the mental conception that in, intends to be the same as what self is, meaning our identity is our mental image and conception of what I is. The self, meaning in... in my usage, uh, what I is, who is, what is the speaker? What is the speaker? Well, there are various levels of identity associated with identifications. Body-mind identification leads to concepts associated with body-mind identity. I am Scott, a male, uh, you know, American guy living here in Taiwan, da-da-da. Uh, so I, identifying with body and mind, I consider myself this physical body, 
and this personality in this time-space situation and nothing more. Expanding one's identifications expands one's sense of identity or one's mental concepts of what I is. Going beyond body-mind, we can go to body-mind-spirit, meaning I is a soul using body-mind or using body or making use of body temporarily with a current personality that is not quite the whole of me either. And so body-mind-spirit or a spiritualized identity is the sense of a selfhood. It's still conceptual, yet uh, understanding it as transcendental or um, transcending merely body-mind of this time and space and this lifetime. That's a little bit closer to what I is, um, but the sense of identity transforms as one goes on the spiritual path, meaning as one progresses through dimensions. Ra talked about their experience of identity as unified self. They still have self-consciousness, which is the consciousness of self, which begins at the human level, third density, goes up through six, and in sixth density their view is uh, unified self. Their view of self, their image of self is unity. I is one. I is one what? I is one light. I is light. What is the basis of unity in the octave? The basis of unity in the octave is the fact that all dimensions um, are manifestations of light, right? Light is intelligent energy. Light is of the Logos. Light is the third principle, right? The law of free will, the law of love, law of light, according to Ra. That light, whose nature is love, that's why it's called love light or light love, um, is that which is the basis of vibration, which is the basis of seven rays, seven chakras, seven dimensions, seven energy fields of the seven chakras, of all the beings, uh, including the material environments in which they live, we live, such as planets and stars and galaxies. So planets and stars and galaxies, we can see their 3D manifest form. Uh, that's uh, what? First dimensional life? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then on those first dimensional forms of light called planets and stars and galaxies, we find beings evolving with self-consciousness or with consciousness that then becomes self-consciousness. Consciousness beginning in second density, becoming self-consciousness in third, becoming unified self-consciousness in six, and then out of six, as Ra had said, identity and memory um, no longer are no longer experienced or um, they're free of conceptions of identity and memory. Which doesn't mean that I is destroyed. It means that conceptions of self are dropped um, beyond <coughs> the concept from the experience, from the perception that I is light. Light is the basis of all form. Light is the basis of seven dimensions. And I is that light. Therefore, I is one. Uh, that perception or experience, which leads to the conception, right? So perception is the basis of experience, which leads to conception. 
um, I, I see it this way, <laughs> meaning uh, I, I perceive all is light and I perceive that I is no different, no separate, not separate, not different from that light. Therefore, I is light. That's my experience in sixth density, or sixth chakra reveals that. Then one makes a concept called unified self-consciousness. I is this light. That's a concept come from the experience of that, from the perception of that, from the expansion of awareness. That's in C, all is light, and I is not separate from that one light. That is the basis of all seven rays or the basis of the octave. That's sixth density self-consciousness or uh, unified self-consciousness of sixth density. That's jettisoned in seventh density. But I is not destroyed. That's approaching what's called self with the capital S or self-realization or the <laughs> end of the path, <laughs> which, um, you know, in Hinduism or Advaita Vedanta, they talk about self-realization, realizing or coming to perceiving, experiencing and knowing what I is. That's beyond image. It's beyond identity because it's, be it's beyond conceived identity. So conceived identity is ultimately born of thought. Uh, you know, it's born of experience, even perception and experience. But it's um, uh, crystallized perception or experience, uh, perception that leads to experience that's crystallized into concept called, uh, you know, self, sense of self, personal identity. Now, if we look at the etymology of the word image, of course, it comes from Latin imago, which is a copy or a likeness, or an image. A copy or a likeness. <laughs> Self-image is a mentally conceived copy or likeness of what I is. <laughs> I, you know, this is theoretical, but we'll get back to the practical or... For some people, you can uh, work from the top down and realize that um, internalization, integration of the theoretical is the practical. It's clinical. <laughs> it's not theoretical. It's clinical. It's personal. It's practical. It's uh, workable. It's very applicable to daily life. If you can, uh, to the extent that we have spiritualized awareness, or we can work from the mental spiritual down to the personal emotional and realize um, the ramifications, the reality of this discussion, to whatever extent I'm telling the truth, I don't know. Somebody beyond me, you know, how do we know we're telling the truth? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I, we, we would need somebody beyond us to affirm, I think, I'd say. But to whatever extent this is all true, um, and to the extent that we have spiritualized awareness or we can bring... Um, an experience of um, truth into personal experience, in, into the personal life. Meaning, oh yes, I is greater than body, mind, spirit, beyond soul, beyond mentally conceived identity. We might have a moment of breakthrough to realize what I is, um, which is beyond conception. But any self-image is a copy or a likeness of what I is, true nature. So, uh, true self is the true nature, or what, you know, using the word self is beyond, uh, I'm using it, 
to pertain to that which is imitated, that which is copied with a mentally conceived likeness called self-image. But the fact, the, the reality that, that self or true nature is greater than image is the fact that, that I, as Ross said, identity is thrown away when, they, when, the, when the entity enters seventh density. Why, how can one live without identity and memory? Well, it's living without the conceived crystallization of, of one's true nature into identity or into um, a mentally fashioned copy of, self, uh, of, of what I is into self-image. The, the mentally fashioned likeness or copy of, of true nature that's called the, the copy being self-image is jettisoned. So even unified self in sixth density is a copy, a likeness, a mentally conceived fashioning, a samskara, sankara, a fourth skanda um, product of ignorance <laughs> that seeks to know true nature but can't do better than mental conception. You can do better than mental conception or self-imaging only when you get out of sixth density. So for those of us on the on on Q, not not that Q, but Q U E U E, or the line, uh, getting ready for the boat, or the bark, the bark of heaven, leaving soon from sixth density to seven. Um, it's it's the it it's the fact that the, the very the fact the the reason that identity can be jettisoned as one goes into seventh density without self destruction without annihilation. There's no existential annihilation going to seventh density. There's simply <laughs> harvest to seventh density and uh, approaching infinity or, or entering infinity, which which allows one to jettison uh, identity and memory because the identity was false in the first place. The identity that is fashioned as self-image is a false copy representation of what I is. It's always been. But a healthy self-image is better than a distorted self-image, of course. And the quality of one's self-image is very much associated with how much worth and value one recognizes in it. So, uh, the third link is a wiktionary on the word worth. You know, I can riff on etymologies. Um, etymology of the word worth, right? Because... Uh, as uh, in this discussion here of um, constituents of self-image such as um, uh, constituents of self being particularly first self-imaging or the sense of self um, and then worth in many ways the worth that one ascribes to the self or self-image, or let's just say the worth that one ascribes to self, one sense of self-worth, self-esteem, self-value, is totally related to the nature of one's self-image or sense of self. So a highly distorted self sense of self equals uh, a sense of self that uh, where, where the person has quite, quite significant conflict, conflicted self-worth. 
they may have low self-worth, they may not have low self-worth, but it would be neurotic. <laughs> a greater distortion in the sense of self equals a greater distortion in the sense of self-worth, meaning the sense of self-value. And less distortion in the sense of self, uh, a less distorted self-image, leads to an appropriate and rightly valued self. A rightly valued self is not a high self-esteem. It's a va it's a rightly valued self, which Ra said, self is a being of infinite worth. Hmm. So the right valuation of I, or selfhood, I would say, you know, <laughs> is spoken by Ra as self is a being of infinite worth. All right, infinite worth, infinite value. That is the understanding of, of the value of self or true nature from a purified self-image. When self is known as to what it is in truth, which is called true nature, then one rightly values that self or the I, that, you know, one rightly values self and one's identity because one's sense of self and identity conforms to true nature. Then one finds one has, uh, one, one can accept, yeah, self is a being of infinite worth, infinite value, boundless value. And then, uh, that's not even, you know, I wouldn't call that a healthy self-esteem. I would call it a right valuation of what self is by realization of true nature, which is called <laughs> uh, one level of awakening. It's related to Sotapanna, of course. <clears throat> but it's not finished, because even in Sixth Density, they haven't finished the self-imaging. Right, guys? They know. And so, uh, the end of self-imaging um, leads to the right valuation of self. Beyond grandiosity, obviously, but beyond uh, minimization. And so, true, or the right valuing of self can only come by a non-distorted understanding of self, which is an understanding based in a realization of true nature. To the extent that we realize the true nature of self or true identity beyond um, distorted self-image and self-conception, to that extent, then we do value this self rightly. Uh, and self as a being of infinite worth is definitely not a call to grandiosity or narcissism or spiritual inflation. Not at all. <laughs> because you don't know what yourself is. Or you know only a little. We don't know. We know just a bit. And self is really beyond knowing anyway. Mm. So, uh, self as a being of infinite worth doesn't mean <laughs> we don't have distortions. It means that what I is, um, it's true nature. The true nature of this one here, as Nichinanda would say, the true nature of this one here is boundless, infinite, priceless, you know, inestimable, inestimable, in a state of uh, not able to be estimated. That's a proper valuation of, of I. But that doesn't exclude the reality of lower triad blockage and neurotic patterns and attachment to grasping aversion and ignorance and the fact that we're not finished with evolution in the octave, obviously. And so, when we look at the word worth, comes back to Proto-Germanic virpads, meaning worthy or valuable. Okay, so 
worth and value are synonymous. Yeah, sure. Um, but then let's look at the, the etymology of the word value. Hey, 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 let's trace it all back. Let's go back to our roots. And what we find is a concordance with the Chinese word de, dao de ching, dao de ching, the classic of dao and de, or the classic text on dao de. Dao is the way, and de is virtue and power. And therefore we say in the etymology of the word value comes from the Latin valere. Sounds like valor, right? Courage. From Latin valere, to be strong, to be worth. To be strong or worth. Strength and virtue go together. Strength and worth go together. Um, a true, you know, when one, <laughs> when one has uh, those, those, that can, those that have glimpsed true nature, have some recognition uh, of what I is, uh, meaning beyond distorted self-imaging, a direct contact with what I is. And I, I don't mean Scott I. Okay, I don't ever think, when I say what I is, I don't mean Scott, Mr. Scott's I. I don't mean this personal one speaking. I mean what the one, what you are, what self is. When one knows what self is, or has a realization of that, one taps into valere, one taps into strength. And that's, <laughs> hey, hey, it's the connection between intelligent energy, right? The gateway to intelligent infinity, sixth density, sixth chakra, contact with intelligent energy, or access, contact with intelligent infinity, the gateway to intelligent infinity, right? Uh, which is all of seventh chakra, by way of sixth chakra activation, which is the gateway. Right? So the gateway that by which we make contact with intelligent infinity, the gateway is six. Six ray. Ajna chakra. And so what's Ajna chakra all about? Well, spiritualization, spiritualized consciousness, which includes spiritualized sense of self, which includes um, access to intelligent energy, which is called power. Duh. And so in Chinese philosophy, the greatness is associated with rightness as I said in the talks on Tao Te Ching. So, to be truly great, one must be in virtue. One must be right. And so, um, where we... Uh, one can't fully access six chakra without lower triad blockage clearance. One can't fully... I mean, one can't fully, fully access intelligent energy or activate six chakra without green-blue activated in balance, meaning uh, love-based wisdom meaning a virtuous mind uh, demonstrated by virtue in speech and action right action right speech and of course right livelihood the three bases of shila in the eightfold path in buddhism of course and so uh, to fully access intelligent energy or power or strength valere uh, one must be uh, in virtue duh and so shila Buddhism, and so the one that that can uh, those that progress on the positive path, uh, and we here now, to the extent that we live in virtue, which is morality, um, we may increasingly activate six chakra too, fully, fully meaning in balance, not just certain aspect of six chakra which the negatives can access or activate without love, 
Yeah, sure, you can do black magic, but it's very limited, <laughs> actually. And one may have be a brilliant, high IQ global strategist, but without love or green reactivation, their understanding is very, very limited. I mean, they're full of contradictions. <laughs> they're full of neuroses. They're full of distorted self-image, like grandiosity, which is totally mistaken. You know, there's no grandiosity in true self-realization. None. It's not the grandiosity of me. It's the grandiosity of, of what is. The, gra the grandeur of what is is taken as the self by the negatives and spiritual, you know, spiritual bypass or spiritual inflation is taking the grandeur of reality for um, the nature of my personality. It's, a person, it's an imposition of the personal on the universal or taking the universal as the personal. Uh, self is a being of infinite worth. doesn't mean you, your personality of this lifetime is of infinite worth. <laughs> it's of some worth, but it's really just a stepping stone. But to say self is a being of infinite worth means um, creation is of infinite worth and I is not separate from it. And that doesn't exclude any um, presence of distortion, neuroses, bad patterns, attachments, faults and weaknesses, and this and that. Um, but that's seeing the, the grandeur of the universal as it is, and knowing that one's true nature is not separate from that. And so, um, you can see how the development of the seven chakras uh, or evolution up through the densities, same, same, is the purification of the sense of self, is the increasing harmonization of self-image or the image of what I is with true nature, till eventually um, any kind of um, copy, imago, or likeness of true nature associated with a mentally conceived self-image falls away in seventh density. Now, <laughs> if you're still alive, <clears throat> um, I was looking for Karen Horney's discussion of types of self-image. What I found instead was a stoic. <laughs> a stoic. Um, somebody wrote a website called ptypes.com. And uh, very smart. And in fact, this may be the basis of um, the next series. This is a this is a site <laughs> um, based on a discussion of moral philosophy. Epictetus, Epictetus, uh, who was um, the granddaddy of Stoicism. Uh, Stoicism is the porch of Zeno's teaching, where Zeno was teaching was his Stoa, and those that were learning from Zeno on his porch became later known as Stoics. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, I was looking into. So this fellow is Dave Kelly, who wrote the book, or wrote the uh, website called ptypes.com, very deep. And um, he's an admirer of Epictetus, and I like Epictetus. I don't know if you say Epic, Epictetus or Epic, Epictetus. Epictetus. Uh, I like him too. I studied him in college, and Marcus Aurelius loved him too, I think. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Um, the, the disciplines of the Stoic practitioner. 
basically understanding moral philosophy as a basis of living moral uh, he wrote as the purpose has the practical purpose of guiding people toward living leading better lives yeah that's what this is all about the aim is to live well to secure for oneself eudaimonia which is a uh, diamond related to the word demon but it doesn't mean negative demon it's a uh, basically spirit happiness or a flourishing life okay he um, in the study of p-types I think he means personality types uh, wrote um, is what I first found on a discussion of idealized self idealized self is um, a form of self-image or it in fact is self-image all you know Karen Horney he, he discusses um, down the line somewhere Karen Horney's three neurotic solutions <laughs> Uh, they weren't hers personally, but um, and he said he doesn't really uh, agree with her personality theory. But um, um, that's where uh, my reference—that's of the same discussion as um, I had made, have made to Karen Horney's uh, discussion of three types of self-esteem or self-image. Or which are all which all can be seen as idealized selves, meaning self imago, the copy and likeness of true nature into the conceived sense of self. The three being, you know, what I said: ex, um, inflated, deflated, and um, erased or dissociative. Uh, on a page, I know we're jumping around a bit here. On another page of his, um, he. Explain, he called them self-effacing, expansive, and resigned. So self-effacing is deflated, expansive is inflated, and resigned is what I call dissociative or erased. Like, I'm fine, I have no feeling, I'm good, I'm good, I'm clear, 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 claro, claro, mm -mm. I'm nothing, I have no process. Which is great ignorance, <laughs> because there are levels of mental conceiving of self or self-conception that are very deep mind subconscious even uh, e e just like the uh, bhikkhu said in uh, one of the translations of one of the suttas even though um, he knows that notions of self are false or that self is um, a deluded concept <laughs> like Ra said ego is a concept <clears throat> and we cannot you know understand it can't come from it um, conceptions of self self imaging is a false is a fool's errand because what I is is beyond conception and any conception any conceived image imago is a copy is a likeness is a distorted version of of true nature and so while she uh, laid out these three types of self imago um, which I'm calling inflated deflated and erased and he's calling expansive, self-effacing, and resigned. Fine. They're all <clears throat> they're all types of um, imagined identity. <clears throat> and interestingly, on the page um, idealized self, the first link I sent of the triad here of ptypes.com. This is very deep stuff. <laughs> I like what he's doing. Uh, this is a page on idealized self 
which I would contend is all conce conceivings of self, all self-image um, is idolatry. <laughs> uh, self-imaging is, is mentally conceiving, idealizing of self, of true nature. And all of them are forms of idolatry. Self-idolatry. Um, Self-true-nature-imaged self-image. True nature uh, distorted distortions of awareness of identity. Distorted identity which is um, uh, a, a copy or a simulac simulacrum 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 a similar uh, representation imaging in mind of what I is all of these could be called idealized selves and and even when they're erased or um, dissociative or self-effacing these are all conceived sense conceivings of identity conceivings of what we are uh, all of them can be called idealized and all of them could be called idols and he wrote the idealized self is an idol of the imagination boom <clears throat> Um, Self-conception is idolatry. <laughs> Ow! And so, conceiving true conceivings of one's true nature, fermentations, fashionings, samskaras, right? Bubbling up fermented products <laughs> of the ignorance-based mind. Um, conceive true nature in idealized ways which is idolatry. The idealized self is an idol of the imagination, says he. I totally agree. He writes, the idealized self, meaning any, I would, I mean, you know, it's not simply <clears throat> the uh, expansive or inflated sense of self that is an idealized self, I contend. And he may be using it that way, I just haven't looked into the intricacies here. But I would contend that all distorted notions of self and all conceivings of self are idealized and per se idolatrous. Don't be an idolater. So the idolatry of self-conception. And, and I would say that all of them are idealized. They're not what I is. <laughs> they are what, what the being wants to think I is which is their, idol, uh, their idealization of what I is, which is an idol. <clears throat> so self-idolatry um, by distorted self-image. And all self-imaging is distorted, por distorted per se. Self-imaging as distorted idolatry. <laughs> self-image as intrinsically, inherently distorted and idealized, meaning it's the sense of self that I want, even when it means I, even if it is, I'm a fuck up and I'm a loser and I'm the biggest shithead in the world, <clears throat> some kind of deflated self-image. Um, that's an idealized, mistaken concoction, fermented fashioning, um, complex imaging, copy likeness of what I is, and it's idolatrous in a certain way. And he goes on, the idealized self <clears throat> is an image 
or is is what an image is an image of what should be what we should be must be or ought to be in order to be acceptable which may be deflated you know the person who grows up critis heavily criticized by mother father brother sister school and uh, authorities may grow up and and uh, crystallize a deflated or self-effaced self-image but that's ide that's an idealization in the sense that they feel they ought to conceive of themselves that way to not get smashed or to protect themselves while they're continually being smashed by hypercritical parents and authorities or whoever so self-image <clears throat> as per se distorted as per se idealized as per se idolatrous uh, imaginal uh, illusory you know mayic maya uh, because it's just a samskara, it's just a, you know, anishanata dukkha. It's impermanent, it's insubstantial, it's stressful, and it's false. Because what I is, is transconceivable, <clears throat> or unconceivable, it's inconceivable. True nature is inconceivable. That's why identity can be jettisoned going into seventh density. So, idealized self, or any self-image, <laughs> I'd say, is an imaging, copy, likeness, imago, of what the being thinks they should be, thinks they must be, thinks they ought to be, in order to be acceptable or protect themselves or protect their imprinted pain, right? To not face anxiety and the old imprinted pain, to maintain, which does, which will maintain, distorted patterns of defense mechanisms and all that. Uh, going on, the idealized image, or I would say any self-esteem, is chiefly a glorification of the needs that have developed. Karen Horney, right? So she um, lays out these three neurotic self-images, uh, or senses of self, or imagings of self, inflated, deflated, and erased, or uh, expansive and grandiose, and uh, I would say you know, um, resign, uh, marginalized and minimized, contracted, the very cramped sense of self, and then uh, dissociative or resigned or, you know, somehow uh, <clears throat> um, detached and, and uh, disconnected from, from uh, body uh, and emotional process. These types of um, neurotic self images, uh, I would say, at some level, are all idealized, um, and they are forms of of idolatry in in this notion that they glorify the needs that have developed or the person's sense of what they need. <clears throat> and so, okay, we got some heavy points here idealized self or self-imaging you know again there's what he wrote and you you know I, I believe I agree with what he wrote and I'm interpreting it my own way to expand upon it the idealized self as an idol of imagination the person imagines right imagos um, a self-image <laughs> right that's how you're doing it self-image is the product of imaging or imagination so the self 
the uh, personal imagination generates self-image, which is self-imagination, which is intrinsically, I would say, it's intrinsically idealized because it's distorted, uh, or not because it's distorted, but because there is the sense that that the person, any self-image, plus, minus, and zero, right? Uh, Inflated, deflated, or erased, is just a catchwords. Um, is what the person is, is, is exists by attachment. The person we have attachment to self-image. That's why a person has a self-image. Defense mechanisms exist because the person has attachment to them. Imprinted pain exists or remains because the person has an attachment to keeping it or hiding it or avoiding it by their and thereby holding it. So, the psychological process is the result of attachment. I mean, and where we don't have a certain process, it's because we don't have an attachment to it. I mean, as far as I can see, that seems to be true. So, the attachment is the idealizing, is the um, cherishing. So, self-image is is held dear, even if it's painful and contracted or erased. And it's idolatrous because, idolatrous, I don't mean it in a heavy-handed way, but it is kind of heavy-handed, because there is a glorification of the false self thereby. It's a glorification or an adoration or an attachment or a clinging and a cherishing um, of this, these notions of identity, these conceivings of what I is. And so that's the point where uh, Cooper, whoever, said, idealize self, or I would say any self-image, uh, as an Im- is an image of what we should be, must be, ought to be, in order to be acceptable, in order to feel, o- in order uh, to for continuance. It's self-preservational. It's self-protective. It's um, self-maintenance. Uh, it's a maintenance of the the stable, uh, the stability, the comfort, and stability of a consistent, um, mentally conceived uh, identity. Eventually, one or as one goes on the path, one realizes that's all bullshit, <laughs> and I don't need that. Actually, then one can live much more fully without continual self-referentiality or the the self-conceit, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, ahamkara, uh, ahamkarm, the karma or making of aham or identity, it's a conceiving, it's a fashioning. That's Ramana Maharshi, right? He understood that by aham vichara, aham vichar, or self-inquiry, one can uh, unmake the karm aham, or the aham karm, aham, aham kara, is uh, aham and karma. The karma of maintaining, uh, maintaining, cherishing the conceit of conceived identity, self-esteem, uh, can be dropped <laughs> to one's great joy, actually, uh, over time. Um, and so um, Buddhism calls it self-cherishing or the conceit of selfhood the conceit of ego or selfhood it's the conceiving that's the problem you know and so conceiving you know conceiving is what leads to narcissism and um, spiritual bypass and grandiosity Um, one need not you know it's a mistaken equation that uh, mistaken identity (laughs) <laughs> to think that the glory of what is is the glory of me, my personality. 
No, me, my personality is just a temporary accoutrement on the way to be dropped at the right time um, when the being enters um, the greater freedom. It's just the vehicle on the path. Uh, but the glory of the universal is universal. <laughs> but one can taste that more as one realizes that um, fixed notions of identity, the um, ahamkara, or the karm making of um, thought-based identity is unnecessary. It's really very unnecessary. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's extremely deep and subtle, and there are all sorts of deep-level patterns. I mean, any chakra blockage really is associated with uh, some very subtle levels of idealizing, of, of, of uh, idealizing and imagining, you know, imagining uh, a conceptual self, the conceptual identity, which is not true nature. So as we push it on, I realize we're getting close to the end here, uh, what about the word idle? Well, interestingly, Wiktionary tells us something coming from the ancient Greek, ancient Greek, uh, idolon, idolon, which means image or idol. So idol means image, right? But it already goes, actually goes back to eidos, which means form. <clears throat> and therein lies the problem that self-imaging is idolatrous because it's a glorification of form, not substance or essence. True nature is prior to form. It's preformal, transformal. Hey, hey, transformation. And so we're looking, you know, spiritual path is transformation, going beyond form. Transubstantiation, transubstantive, transubstantive, meaning beyond, beyond substance. Now, light can be considered the substance of form or matter, but the substance of light um, is the is the one that generated light, right? So, preformal or transformal, um, beyond form, um, is beyond the cell, beyond the imaging of identity or the imaging of true nature, into conceptual identity, into self-imaged self-esteem or sen not self-esteem but self sense of self. The point is, in 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 relation to the nature of the self-imaging comes the sense of self-esteem, high, low, middle, a realistic or unrealistic. So the inflated self-image leads to an overestimation of, of the value or, or some kind of overestimation of what I is. But it's, not, it's a false, it's an overestimation of the conceptual self, the false, uh, idolized, idealized, mental thought form, conceived sense of self. That can be idolized, or that you know, it, it's intrinsically idolatrous <laughs> or glorifying. It's by 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 the fact that we have attachment <clears throat> to a sense of self, a mentally conceived sense of self. Um, there is idealization, but it's all false. Meaning it's all illusory. It's a, you know it's in, it's anatta. <laughs> Atta is anatta. Meaning any conceiving of self um, is is, is um, you know it's illusory. <laughs> it's false by nature because what I is 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 transformal. What I is is beyond ideal. 
beyond the you know ideal or devalued so any um, any of these three types of neurotic based um, self imagings that Karen Horney talks about uh, all of them are attachments to the form the thought form of the conceived conceptualized complex sense of self which is ultimately um, you know, <laughs> anicca and anatta, or insubstantial, and therefore you grasping onto shadows and ghosts. Um, meanwhile, the pattern, the process, the the nature of the grasping to grab to shadows and ghosts is very deep, and it's far beyond the conscious mind. Which means, you know, the person could be sotapanna, but they haven't kicked out the eighth fetter, meaning they still have a basic. I mean, again, until you leave sixth density, you won't be free. We won't be free of false, illusory, idealized self-imaging, self-conceiving, self-conception, which is uh, attachment to form, the form of the sense of self, the form of an idealized, even if it's a devalued idealized, mistaken, uh, limited sense of self. And so... Uh, the title here, Self, uh, Image, and Worth, um, gives us an understanding that um, the nature of self-imaging, the nature of self-image, being a you know being a copy, being an, a, a, a mentally conceived process, is. Um, basically um, a false copy or likeness of, of what I is or self true nature is and in harmony with the nature of that self image whether it's expansive or contracted or erased or dissociative uh, thereby uh, associates one's sense of worth or value uh, and thereby uh, or in association with that is associate is related one's access to true power or strength. The more uh, the 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 more uh, in harmony one's self concept or self imaging is with true nature, the more one has access to universal power, meaning intelligent energy, six chakra activation with lower triad, you know, lower triad blockage cleared, more or less, and green-blue. So green-blue, basis of indigo, and the basis of green-blue being clearance of the lower three. Uh, that that um, um, <clears throat> movement from uh, distorted and, you know, uh, attached um, essentially illusory uh, grandiose even distorted self-imaging with with weakness you see the the all for all of these three neurotic types that Karen Horney laid out right it, um, what I would say you know inflated deflated erased or expansive self-effacing and resigned whatever um, not only are they distorted 
means by which um, a person attempts to um, make a likeness to, you know, poor attempts at making a likeness or a copy of what I, true nature is. Um, but they also um, limit one's access to universal power. And um, they're also further painful. <laughs> and uh, along the way, um, they have to be shed. And in, in fact, um, along the way, uh, as far as I know, as far as I've experienced, um, the sense of self becomes ever more subtle or um, mm, transformal, <laughs> beyond thought or uh, transcendental. <laughs> um, meaning very, very, um, not very amenable to concept, <laughs> not, not uh, uh, detached from concept, the sense of self detached from concept, you know, in the mind of samadhi, who are you? Well, if you remain in the samadhi, it can't be answered. And any answers are, you know, formal conceivings. Um, so anyway, <laughs> um, I hope by this you could get a sense that, um, uh, there is true nature, which is a true identity. And that is self with a capital S. Uh, and then there's the, the myriad forms of distorted self imaging, which, uh, are copies and likenesses. Um, all of which, all of which, um, uh, reveal distorted self-worth as well, and limited access to intelligent energy or true power. And it's only, um, freedom from, you know, the, um, distortions of self-imaging, self-conceiving, it's only the freedom from that um wherein lies wherein lies joy joy as far as i know it is very much associated with freedom from uh self-referencing um one references as needed like the council of saturn where a thought when a thought when a need for thought is present then they think um but in many cases a need for thought is not not present and so I think we might, I might want to look further um, at this work from this man, David Kelly, which is actually very interesting, Dave Kelly, uh, on P-types, uh, because there is um, an interesting page, I don't know if I sent it, um, let me send that and then uh, wrap up here. P-types, uh, a page called Idols of the Types. <laughs> this is very subtle stuff. So he's, a, he's basically a Stoic philosopher who's um, looking at um, self-psychology or uh, psychological theories of selfhood and identity uh, from a philosophical perspective uh, and understanding that basically um, when we conceive any conceivings of self 
uh, certainly if they're idealized, but I would say that they're all idealized because one has attachment to all forms of self-image. All forms of self-image exist because of attachment. And that attachment is an idealizing. It's, it's the, even when it's a painful, contracted sense of self, it's the sense of self the person feels they deserve and should have. Therefore, it's idealized. Um, that every one of these, um, or, or the various forms of idealization or conceiving of self, are associated with personality types. And so on this page is very interesting stuff where he puts a, core, a, a chart there of personality type, which are actually neurotic and psychotic you know, personality disorders, uh, neurotic personality types and psychotic personality types, and their idealized image, or how the person wishes to think of themselves by that, uh, you know, by their conceiving of self. What is their compulsive attachment? What is their compulsive aversion? Very subtle stuff here. And so you have, you know, you, 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 I mean, even in a very contracted sense of self, like depressive or masochistic personality type. So masochistic and person and depend masochistic depressive and masochistic personality types. They ain't no fun, you know. He's saying the idealized image of the de- of the depressive is serious, meaning, you know, I'm always serious, no laughing. And the masochistic is self-sacrificing, meaning there is some pride <laughs> in the masochist thinking only I could take this much pain, or I like pain because I'll be the one to take trouble, not you. And um, there is an idealization there. And so even in a pained, very distorted, very painful self-image, um, there is an idealization. And it is a glorification. And uh, it's a contraction. It's a contracted it's a, a contracted conception or a conception that is contractive of what, you know, of true nature. So, self, image and worth, <laughs> from, uh, from image and limited worth to uh, transformal post-idealization um, realization of true nature, increasing realization of true nature, and uh, right estimation right measurement and estimation, right, right measurement, uh, right estimation and assessment of, of the value of self, which is infinite. Self is a being of infinite worth and value, and therefore power, right? Duh. And so, uh, <clears throat> virtue as strength and worth. And the way to the straight path to infinite power is the, the path of virtue. <laughs> there ain't no greatness without rightness, and um, infinite worth is associated with infinite power, which is associated with true, you know, the virtue, the 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 inestimable or boundless virtue of true nature. So true nature is of boundless worth and boundless power. So, I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening in, everyone. I wish you all well. See you again next time, and good night.